On Sky Sports Radio, time to review the weekend's racing with our stable of experts. He's pretty exciting, this guy. Streeting his rivals. Who impressed? Who didn't? Horses to follow. And have a look at the time. And your calls. Welcome to Punter's Postmortem. Really starting to go through his gears. Just continues to raise the bar. Yeah, good morning. Welcome to Punter's Postmortem on this Monday, the 20th of November. Great weekend up there at Newcastle, great weekend at Caulfield and all good racing around the country, including the, well, the pretty much the start of what's happening over there in the West as well. We've got a lot of ground to cover today. 135353 is the open line number, or you can give us a text on 0419767272. And our panel today, as always, Ron Duffercy, Chris Roots and David Gately. And I'll say good morning to Duff. Ronnie, um, great to have you back on the program. As always, on a Monday, we had obviously Newcastle's time to shine on the weekend. We got Kembla this weekend in Wollongong, but gee, that crowd looked like it was sensational Saturday at Newcastle. Yeah, another successful day for Newcastle and a really good program to get out of town and uh, see some good racing and some good winners there as well. Cole Crusher simply dominated the Hunter and very well set up by Joe Pride and uh, Tyler Schiller had a good day, Nash had a good day, young Zach had a good day. So uh, the young guns and the old gun, um, Nash, with his experience, uh, stole the show there on Saturday and we look forward to Kembla. Uh, little bits and pieces of rain all week, but I'm sure you'll keep in touch with Dave Anderson throughout the week and see if it hits or not. Exactly right. Uh, David Gately, uh, you were out and about again for Sky One on the weekend. Gator, where were you? Yeah, good morning, everyone. They're at the Rosstown Hotel, my old stomping ground back in the day when life was, uh, you know, fun. But um, no, they've done that pub up really nicely, and that uh, no, was a lovely uh, atmosphere out there. I think punters uh, ended up with their noses in front, which is uh, a good result because the Corfu track played a bit tricky. You know, I think it was a bit sort of savage um, bias-wise, but uh, a fabulous day and, and some elite uh, racing. Certainly was, and Chris Roots from the City Morning Herald, a weekend where, again, plenty of news filtering around. Yeah, it was a wonderful weekend of racing, wasn't it? How good was it at uh, Newcastle with the track there playing really fairly and the only track that's been renovated in New South Wales for for a long time and rebuilt, and you really see the benefit of it. We'd love love to have more of those sort of tracks. I think Kemba's the next one off off the map, so um, they they started the work there. But you know, when you get the tracks right, that's what you get. You get perfect racing. Unfortunately, Caulfield wasn't the same. Quite often happens when they're coming back early. You get those biases, and it was it was a good day, but let down by the surface really. The the one thing I will say about the Caulfield track, though, and Gator, uh, during that uh, other part of their Caulfield carnival, we had a... If, if there was no... I didn't see or believe that there was... It wasn't being tricky then. So it was just unfortunate that it was on Saturday. Yeah, it was a bit. And uh, obviously, you know, they'll, they'll try and get on top of that. They're in, in really good hands with the curators and track staff and a lot of money and time and effort goes into it these days. But, I mean, even... Oh, I didn't walk the track. Well, I was close. I walked to the pub. But the, um, the, those that walked the track said uh, the inside of the grass was shorter and it seemed they're a bit less moisture. So uh, I think the warning signs were there early. Now let's talk about, uh, well, let's start with Cole Crusher because I know, Duff, you tipped it. Now you were quite keen on it. Uh, I saw on the previous shows and even Saturday morning on HQ, you just love the setup. And again, Joe Pride. It's not a big secret because he was saying, mate, before, well, before that horse's first up, second up run, the hunter, that's the plan with this horse. We're just going to poke through and, um, well, he delivered in spades. And obviously the, the tactic was to Tyler, we've got the fittest horse here, just go. Yeah, he loves to be ridden like that. You know, some horses you like to slow up and uh, save something to finish, but he breaks their heart. Um, he was just terrific. He just jumped, controlled, and and as you said, beautifully set up by Joe. He'd been given his you know three runs in in tough races, and uh, then the blinkers go back on, which he excels with. He, I think, he won at this meeting last year at the thirteen hundred. So all the stars aligned, and uh, he was um, he was dominant. He was dominant. King Sparta was good. Yes. Would have liked Mazu to take him into the race a little bit more on the point of the turn, but hardly an excuse. Rocketing by overachieved. Mazu, yeah, he's just struggling at the moment. He's a length or two off the speed, and the eye catcher was Rustic Steel underdone. Um, he's looking really good for the festival and, yeah. the, and the and the one after that. The Ingham with the Villiers, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that's, that's the race Chris has got his eye on. 
Uh, what about some stories to come out of the uh, the race, Chris? Yeah, I think everyone saw young Brave Pride there. He he loves this horse as. as um, Joe said after the race, we talk about this horse more than private eye and think about it. And I asked him who trains it. He goes, no, I still train it. But Brave, Brave, it's sort of, he's using it to teach Brave about how um, how how to train and things like that because he's the next generation of the stable and things like that. And he absolutely loves, loves racing and works really hard in the stable. So that was fantastic. Having said that, he was... He, he he's just a horse that when you put those blinkers on and get a firm track like that, he's he's very very hard to run down. And he just he, he Tyler Schiller put the handlebars down and he just kept running. And um, they all had a chance to get get home, but there were big gaps in the field. He just took them all out of their comfort zone. Have to concur with Duff. Rustic still looks in for a big preparation, and um, it's um, it's again a target race adding him for for a horse like him to get into a Doncaster. Let's just have a look at Joe Pride's season, though. He's won three Group Ones at Everest, and I think it's five million dollar, five million dollar plus races. He gets the best. He get he has good horses, but he gets the best out of them. And you know, the training effort for the Everest, he peaked these two horses on that day, and they, were, they ran to their best. And this horse, it was a plan all along to peak him on this day, and look what we got. We got a, a horse that peaked peaked on the day. Exactly right. And also, I've got to mention as well, uh, Lech Vardy, um, while we were talking about Joe Pride, I know it was earlier in the day, but uh, well-backed in markets off that trial. And again, the information was there during the week. I know that when we spoke with Joe and when he did other media commitments as well, he was quite keen to push the mare, Duff. Uh, yeah, yeah. She, um, she slipped the system with the, with the markets because she'd trialled brilliantly. Uh, leading into the meeting, she'd quint- uh, wintered in Queensland and uh, just showed that with her trials and she was pretty well never in doubt there. So a really good win by her, Zoe's promise. It's a, it's the theme of the day. Most of these Chris Lee's runners are the horses to follow out of the meeting and Zoe's promise is another one. Certainly is. Let's jump down to Melbourne, Gator, because we had the... We'll start with the Rupert Clark. Sir Rupert Clark, a mayor that we saw up here in Sydney, Magic Time, uh, won the Nivison third in the invitation, and then gets the group one. And it was pretty special for Graham Begg. He was pumped up, and so he should be after that because he's always thought of this mare in, in group one status, and obviously she's worth a lot now, even more. Yeah, look, she's a, she's a star. I think we've thought that from, from early days. We went at Flemington over the carnival last year. We thought, how good this thing? Um, had a real short prep, and but even her inverted commas average runs, she's had genuine excuse and run well in those, so... Look, you can argue strongly the start before if she's swapped the runs and she beats Espiona. And Espiona's then on the heels of Imperatrice and in secret and bonus notches in a champion sprint. So it's been a good little um, month for the girls, hasn't it? Imperatrice, Magic Time, Espiona, um, Pride of Jenny. Uh, so uh, she's right at the top, I think, of, of uh, the females in this country and it was a terrific win, given she was wide with a cover and then lost her trail, you know, a fair way from home, um, not the right part of the track, beats them anyway. Mm. Um, all honest her, terrific win and a terrific mare. i tell you what, Duff, I don't know if you uh, caught any of this race live, or no doubt you've seen some replays, but we talk about straight acer, mate, um, that was a sensational run from straight acer and... Again, I think he was mentioned as being one of the most improved horses in Sydney. He just continues to jump every bar. They're, they're going to have some fun with him if he can, you know, hold this form. Unbelievable to do what he's done. You know, I don't know if there's anything left for him this preparation, but he's won four races this prep, and and I think started off with a maiden, and then you know only only four starts back. It was a a pretty common midweek uh, midway. So he's gone bang, Silver Eagle, Golden Eagle. And into the Rupert Clark, and he's right, he's snapping at the heels in three of them. So he's been a, a horse that's really slipped the radar. That's for sure. He's he's an absolute ripper. But this winner, she's a she's got it all in front of her. She's only a four year old. Uh, she probably should have won the invitation. She wins this, and next season, who knows? All Star Mile, Coolmore, everything's on the table. I would have thought. Mm. Chris, any news to come out of the uh, the Sir Rupert Clark down there, mate? Obviously, we, we spoke about straight Acer, IME, and, and the winner, obviously, Magic Time. 
the Sydney form just stood up, didn't it? You look at the, you look at the magic time. The, the invitations turned into a great form race. Roots come out of it and won the hot Danish. Espiona went enormous in the Dali sprint. You know, you look at the that that race. Even the horses that finished back in that race have have, have run really well. Um, the Sydney States winner runs is runner up. It's runner up in two two Group Ones in Melbourne after 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 running the Everest Consolation and then straight A. So well, comes through the Golden Eagle, which is really building a reputation as the right form race for if you can perform well in it, you just keep following those horses and they they keep delivering. So um, that was that was a the uh, the format of the race, and you you look at it and think Magic Time. Well, will we see her next year in a race like over at Everest? She's she's certainly got got that high speed profile. Exactly right. Um, uh, now, the other group one on the card, obviously, down there in Melbourne was the 1,000 Guineas. And uh, Jolly Star, Chris Waller, James McDonald. Again, he's at a, a carnival to remember, James. Uh, so what did you make of it, Gator? It was a. Um, it looked like a race that the market was attracting to a few here. I know that, uh, obviously, uh, Kamochi um, had had some support. Skybird um, didn't jump favourite. And then the other one that I noticed they uh, had a nibble at, to, just from looking at some figures uh, late Saturday night, even though they pushed it out, they kept wanting to back each way Arctic Glamour. And with the way that track was playing, I think Arctic Glamour's run was huge. No, I agree. She's the filly I'll take out of the race for next prep. And um, she was fabulous. Uh, home hard against the pattern. Um, there was a nibble for her, as you mentioned. She was race fastest home at 12.08. And quite clearly, last 200 was, was the... Uh, slickest. The speed was on from the start. Zorion led at uh, six and a half lengths above Group 1 average for three-old fillies, so there was no loafing. Jolly Starters had her back. First go, 1,600. No surprise when they drew gate one, we got to race seven, that uh, those drawing the inside gates were the ones they backed, and they ran uh, one, two, three, four. Mm. Uh, any, any comment on the 1,000 guineas? Duff, do, do, you like, do you like the positioning of it now? Um, well, it turned into a, not a bad field. I think everyone was uh, moaning about it early on. It's too far into the season, and it's too hard to, to get them up and bring them, uh, put them out and bring them back again for the autumn. But I think they got a, a more than acceptable field of uh, you know these late blooming fillies uh, that could really you know could really shine um, with with a limited prep. So I thought. The winner, you know, obviously got favours, but typical Chris Waller timing and McDonald Barrier One just did everything right. But what a marvellous filly this Kamochi is. Placed in the Silver Shadow first up, placed in the Furious, placed in the T-Rose, placed in the Flight, uh, placed in the Desirable, and then placed in the Thousand Guineas. Um, she, could, what could have been with her is just unbelievable, uh, considering circumstances, and she's been up a while since August. And to get this far into the season and do what she's done, admittedly without winning, but it could have been so, so much better. Uh, any news to come out of the 1,000 guineas, Chris? McDonald Waller, I think seven group ones for McDonald being after in the carnival. And when you look back, I was talking to Brad Gray, it just looks, it's a race Chris Waller's done very well in the past and he got the timing right of it with the new placement. The new placement is interesting because it's um, allowed these fillies something at the end of the carnival so it's, it's it's given you a different different group of fillies coming through to the to flight stakes so you've got two groups of group one fillies now there's there was a couple there from the flight stakes of course in Komochi. um gary portelli any hair he had left he must be pulling out because he's got um he's um got uh, all the placings in the world but hasn't got that group one win yet or group group win yet and that's where Komochi will go next preparation you can see her stepping up in a race like a Coolmore Classic also. And just on James, so last week we had some chat. Obviously, we had that announcement from the Hong Kong Jockey Club uh, that obviously he'd be riding over there for a period of time, James, and then back in January, and you would think, you know, on the Gold Coast, chasing Magic Millions, etc. But then there was some chat that he will be here on Saturday for the gong meeting, Chris. So is that confirmed that he rides in the gong? I haven't heard that he's here yet. I know he was. Uh, his his contract doesn't start until that weekend. It's just uh, where he's going to where he gets to. I know he's got got a release to ride Zaki in the Norvely. Um, right. But he'll 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 um, he'll be here. He could be here. Like if he wants to, if he, if there's a good enough ride, I think he'd stay. 
and then get there the Saturday and ride, the Sunday and ride the Sunday. Okay, so it's just a matter of wait and see uh, with James. Here's a trivia question, boys. What was his first Group One winner in Australia? James McDonald. Well, I couldn't think. I couldn't. Scarlet think. Lady. It was Scarlet Lady. Well, there you go, Ruta. You take you to the, the sports. It was Scarlet Lady for Roggie. 2011, that was a Queensland Oaks. It was his first Group 1 here in Australia, and obviously uh, the journey has continued since then. Um, just on uh, a couple of texts here on the text line, um, Gator, what do you know your thoughts on Quickster, which went around in that um, 1,000 guineas? I guess some horses. I know you sort of said you'd, you'd love to take Arctic Glamour home, but um, Quickster, I thought, uh, well, this, this text I thought was not too bad considering that was the third ever run in her life. Yeah, I think that's exactly the way to sum it up. I thought she ran okay, given uh, it was her third career start. She was 12 to 1,600 at the Valley Start 2, then goes to a Group 1 race, and it all just came up probably a little bit quick for her. I know the stable can certainly do that, but look, she was in the right spot, midfield rail. She wasn't far off Komochi in the run, behind her, in fact. So no match for them, but um, she has plenty of upside, that girl, yep. All right, we're going to take a quick break. It's 9.23. We'll find out what's happening on the roads in Sydney. When we return, we're going to open up the phone lines. 13.53.53 is uh, the um, open line number. 13.53.53. Give us a call if you've got a question for our panel. This is Punter's Postmortem on Sky Sports Radio. It certainly is. You're with Ron Dovesey, Chris Roots and David Gately on this Monday morning, and we're going to take your calls on 13.53.53, so give us a, uh, a ring. Give us a tingle. Uh, we've got uh, a couple of texts here. Uh, what about Chris Swallow? He had five different uh, winners at five different venues on Saturday. He won at Newcastle, the Sunny Coast, Caulfield, Kembla, and the Gold Coast. Has that been done before? That's from Peter. I think it might have been. He's had winners, big days like that, all across different jurisdictions, obviously with these different stables uh, in all different places. But he had a great day, um, Chris, on the weekend. And then also Vito from Minto says, hey, guys, what about Brendan Avdali yesterday? Four winners in a second at Charlton. I did see that, Duff. I know you follow the Hong Kong racing and watch them on a Sunday. And it was good to see the gun get some winners there because uh, it's a hard place to to get into and get momentum. And he's got some now. Yeah, it's hard to get opportunities there when you've got uh, Pert and Bowman just uh, take, taking the cream of the rides. But uh, with a little bit of backing with uh, John Size now, um, it's all obviously a big advantage and Brenton's really sees that. He wrote a big winner for him a couple of weeks ago and he backed it up with a, a good book of rides and delivered the goods there on, on yesterday. So uh, a marvellous achievement, you know, the, the four winners and then... Um, a second placing and a bit of odds there as well, but only beaten very you know, short margin as well. Uh, we've also got a text on the text line here in relation to uh, a run at Newcastle. Um, hide your heart uh, in race four, and what you guys thought of that, uh, Duff? Am I going to comment on you from Hide Your Heart? Yeah, it ran well. Um, it uh, a filly that uh, or a mare that uh, put the few wins together at big odds and just kept jumping the bar there. But, uh, yep, uh, good performance. Okay. Um, now, Chris, so there's a text on the text line here to you about um, infrastructure and whatnot. So when was that Newcastle track? Uh, do you remember what year it was it reopened after they redeveloped it? Yeah, but um, going back in my memory, I think it's a, it, was a, it, it would have been a good six, seven years ago, I think 2000. 2013, 2014. They, remember, they had a bit of trouble with it to start with because it needed a lot of water, and they they were very careful when they raced on it. So they they come back, and then they were supposed to. As soon as that was built, it was going to be Kembla was next, and they had some council problems at Kembla, which took a, a long time. So you know, we need when you when you look at what that surface gives gives, and I, I think it's generally conceded it's probably the best track that we've got now. Um, we just our tracks just need. A little bit, a little bit more love, you know. They need to be, you know, they need to be renewed. And you'll you'll see uh, Rose Hill and Ramwick there. They're old tracks, and you know, it's amazing what um, giving uh, uh, giving them a, a rebuild that does for for racing. And we see that at Flemington, Caulfield, and places like that. They've, all the Melbourne tracks have basically been rebuilt since we've had the last major rebuild in, in Sydney. So uh, Kembla could be next, and then other tracks as well. Kembla's, Kembla's already started. They've started, when you look at the race there on Saturday, they've started the A-grass there and they're going to 
they'll do that first. And they'll have two tracks at Kembla, similar to Ramwick, so it'll be similar to the Kensington track. Um, and then they'll do, once they've got the inside track done and up and running, they'll they'll rip up the course proper. I'd say that'll be this time next year and, and, and rebuild it. So, you know, the two major provincial tracks will be um, absolute A-grade tracks within that, within the next two or three years. All right. Um, Duff, I wanted to ask, in fact, I'll ask you all about this. I'm not sure if you guys have seen this, but um, it uh, it's fascinating. I mean, we are punters post-mortem, so we're, we're three people that obviously love a punt um, and, you know, we, we follow the races and whatnot and we're... we're you know, if you want to say for the punter, I'd, I'd more like the term for the industry because I can see every facet of it. So obviously, punters believe that you know you need um, you know they're the they're the most important thing in the game because there's no horses and no punting, there's no money. But then if there's no one that owns the horses, so I think we all we all work together um, in in that respect. But what I wanted to ask you about is in relation to uh, corporate bookmakers and just bookmakers in general. Now, this has been popping up on my social media, and I'm sure it's been popping up on all of yours about uh, betting companies, doesn't matter who they are, um, and I think this needs to be sort of spoken about more, betting companies with uh, powers and rules in, in relation to um, bets being put on, uh, the integrity of you know withdrawing your cash and, and all sorts of things, do we need to really look at this because... If there's going to be, you know, 7,000 hoops to jump through for, for people if they're having a bet, well, why would they have a bet? Go and, they'll go and buy jet skis, they'll go and do other things with their money, and then that leaves us in strife. Yeah, it's um, got to a stage where it's got to be regulated better with the people overseas that don't pay tax here. Um, they It's getting to the stage where someone that breaks square over the years is no good to them. Uh, but it's, 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 I, I read it as well. I, uh, there's a bloke called Richard Irvine who's a very good uh, um, policeman for, this, for the, that sort of industry, but it, it's very hard for him. The doors are shut. There was an inquiry recently, and there was one lady that ran it was excellent, throwing questions here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. And that's the first time I've seen that um, for, you know, barring punters. And some new bet laws have come in, but they've got to be regulated properly. Um, I, look, I don't know about uh, enough about the logis- logistics of it, but the punters are a big part of this game. They fund the sport, so they're, they're they're a big piece of the jigsaw puzzle, and they should be looked after. You know, you you you, you just can't be a losing punter in this business because you'll run out of you'll run out of uh, they'll run out of money and you'll run out of clients. Mm. So in, in the old days, if you had a smart punter, he's the he's the first one um, you, you'd let on. And then you work your book around that. <laughs> you keep the one he, he back with you safe and you lay the rest of them and make your book. I, look, I, I just don't understand it sometimes. Uh, you, Chris, you would have seen this pop up and, and you mentioned um, Richard Irvine and, yep, that's, it's all over social media and I know that they're a part of the den and, and obviously we mentioned that last week too, what, what those guys are doing and I think it's all great. I mean, the, the service of Sky Sports Radio and the service of, of all different people to promote our game is fantastic but... Yeah, it, it seems like there's a lot, a lot of hoops being thrown by certain organisations, Chris, uh, when you try to withdraw. What, one thing that always uh, I'm fascinated by is I can instantly put money into an account, but it seems like I've got to wait a long time sometimes to get money out of an account. Yeah, it's, you know, you can always uh, put some money in and then across the weekend it can take a while, but most of them are pretty good, uh, yeah. the, the ones that are that. that most people bet with the problem comes because it's regulated in northern most of these places are regulated in northern territory and they got they make the rules so the northern territory are making rules for new south wales partners or victorian partners so um and and their regulations that they they go in there and they say we, we need this and need that and the punter isn't really represented and something which at irvine's been very big on that the punter's not represented in there's no one sitting there going well this punter's won Ten thousand, he can't get his ten thousand out. That's the, that's that's become the that's be, become the common commonplace. So, um, it's just um, one of those things that um, it'll be. It, it, it's 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 an ongoing problem, and you know, if we want our industry to thrive, we want more punters to be getting on. I mean, I've spoken to corporate bookmakers and bookmakers as a whole over the over the, over a lot of time, and. I got told by one, if you're not losing at 5% to a bookmaker, you're not worth 
worth worthwhile as a client before the taxes they pay now. Mm. So that's what they that's what they they structure their business on. And but my my they, argument my argument to that, Chris, is how come bookies are the only ones allowed to win? Like, no offence. Like, I mean. Isn't that the whole point of being a bookmaker? Like, if you go back through, I'm, I'm currently re, uh, re-listening, well, re-reading, but I'm doing it via Audible. That great um, book, Chance, by yeah. um, by Andrew Rule, and some of those stories. I mean, uh, yeah, it, it's if we go down that path, but, we're going to be we're going to dead set be like like overseas. I think there were limits on on rails bookmakers for a reason because to protect their protect their business and things like that. Now. The funny thing is, in in essence, um, corporate bookmakers don't have to beat rails limits. That's how stupid how stupid it's become. Like they're the biggest bookmakers in the country, and they they don't take they don't have to take take a bet over a certain a certain amount. I, I I can't remember it straight off the top of my head. I think it's about two thousand dollars. But you know, for these for blokes, the smarties, they they all want to get on and 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 get on as much as they can. Well, you know. It, it means that they can limit clients. They they limit limit accounts. They 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 stop accounts for their bowlers and things like that. There's a lot of lot of things that go into it. But the blokes who just want to have a bet and enjoy themselves and they get they get limited. That's turning people off our industry. And it should be something. There should be something done about it. And just back on. Well, I know the bookmakers I bet with. I think they've really improved as far as what if you want to take your money out. Some if I if I have a winning day, and want to take some money out of the account. I, I, I sometimes I get it with, within an hour. Yeah, it's amazing technology. Yeah. So yeah. And, and maybe uh, we're we're probably maybe it's an opportunity for you, Dave, to interview a bloke like Richard Irvine and see what the uh, the problems the punters have got with the corporate bookmakers. Mm, yeah, and you know what? I, I think too as well to be to be completely. Uh, fair on the system. I think it's it's every bookmaker. I mean, if we were, it, it, it needs to be a question about all uh, right across the board. I know that uh, there are there are some better than others, but I don't want to be in a position where I'm just sitting here because obviously Sky Sports Radio is is owned by Tabcorp, so I don't want to be like coming off that oh I'm just you know fanboying for Tabcorp. I think it's the punters in general. And I think in any conversation that we have uh, around the industry, there there should be punter representation. A hundred percent. Macca's on the line. Good morning, Macca. Yeah, go boys. How are you going? Good, mate. Hey, yeah, I was just listening to you guys talking about this corporate bookmaker thing, and like I used to use a corporate bookmaker a lot, um, but I've actually just reverted back to the tab. And this is not, I'm not giving tab a plug or anything like that. I'm just sort of explaining why. But I found it really like the corporate bookmakers are very. They are right. You they do limit your bets. I remember I had a horse running that I part owned, and I think it was paying a hundred to one, and I just wanted to put fifty bucks on it. And they wouldn't let me put fifty dollars on my own horse. They said, "No, you'll win too much money." And I said, "Well, you know, it's my own horse. It's only fifty dollars, mate." And um, then I then I noticed that when you use the tab, they don't restrict your bets, and all the money that tab use theoretically it goes back into the industry anyway. Like a lot of the corporates don't pay the taxes that the tab have to pay. Um, I think that uh, my theory is I think we need to start going back to a bit more basics. I think it's not really over the top. Um, you talk to a lot of young people, which I'm quite young. I'm, uh, yeah, quite young. I won't have my age, but a lot of the younger boys like me, they tell me all the time how much it's just like overpowering and they don't, it's just too much information, too many weird odds, too many weird things. And I think it just needs to be simplified a bit, or otherwise you're going to lose the punters and you're going to start losing, like, you know, you're going to lose a major part of the industry, I reckon. Thanks for your call, Macca. Uh, appreciate it. And there's a couple of texts on the text line uh, here as well. And it is one of those things, I think, um, for those listening, um, I know not everyone out there has uh, social media and whatnot, but it's, uh, it is really interesting uh, to to see these sort of things happening because there are parts of us that, um, you know, obviously it's a different world. Like, you know, you, we might have people listening that, that just literally go to the pub of an afternoon, they use the EBT, they have their five dollar bets. They watch their races. They love it, and that's it. But then there's other, obviously, other putters that are going through, you know, different um, platforms and, and using different things and, and trading in a lot more money. And uh, they're sort of having yeah, these sort of issues and whatnot. And I think, yeah, we're all. Uh, it's just something that, yeah, you're right, Duff needs to be spoken about a bit more. Um, I think the problem is, Dave, mm. that we we end up we end up with the customer. Um, the customer who, in the end, racing's customer as well as a bookmaker's customer, not being part, feeling that racing's letting them down, that they can't get a bet on. 
So, you know, I think the regulators have to look look at it as well and say, well, we we give them a race fields we we charge a race fields fee. There should be some some onus on bookmakers to to um to um offer the service for that race race fields fee that they charge. So yeah, well, do you know do you know quick... do you know off the top of your head, uh, Chris? Like to, uh, from an industry point of view, and I go, I don't know the answer to this, and maybe some people say, well, Dave, you should know the answer, but uh, let if I have a bet with. Uh, the tab or another bookie compared to other bookies? How does it work in terms of money coming back to the industry because if they're set up in the Northern Territory? Do, does it, is it all pretty much parity now or is it... Um, is so, it... so Racefields, Racefields brings the money back in from the corporate bookmakers. The right. tab's always paid at a higher... The paramitchell's always paid at a higher higher rate. So they're 7% or something like that and with tax parity that's all come back. So... That they deliver, they deliver more back to the industry. So if we if we all started betting through the tote, more would go back to the the industry. Yeah, but that's 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 the way it's always been. But uh, because they take out um, something right off the top, but also they have their, I think they have their their race fields taken out of that and all that. So it's it, it's a very complex area to know how much they actually get off 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 everything. But I know if on race fields, paramutual. Um, Derivative products are charged higher than your normal bookmaking products, so that gives you some idea that that that's the best best earn for racing. But as we know, uh, betting's gone away from paramutual because um, people like to know what they're going to get and what price they're going to get, and they lock it in. So that's that's another 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 facet to it. So I just think we need to be customer focused, and you know, in the end, the customer the customer the there's trainers and jockeys who are part of the industry, and they they have representations. We don't have a punters board or anything like that that represents punters towards towards um, towards um, people in power. But then again, how do you represent such a big field as punters? Like you say, the five dollar punter to the professional punter. Everyone's got different needs and different wants. Mm. It is a very interesting. You know, I think yeah. great that we can bring it up on on punters post mortem. A gator. Just just one more thing. Yep. Just with the, I'm sure they put pay the their same dividend back to the industry. But I mean, the facts are with the tab. Anything anyone licensed in Australia or whatever has got to pay tax on their earnings, and the other ones that are in Gibraltar or wherever they are. Uh, have their businesses signed there, that they don't have to pay tax. So that gives them more money to kiss and cuddle the bad losing punters and they get happy with them and, and they, they get them in their, on their side. And I, there's no such thing as bookmakers anymore. They're all run by these computers. They're all tied up to the same system. If one horse firm somewhere, someone that hasn't laid it, another firm, they, they, all, they all come in together. So it's, 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 it's a weird system that they've got now. It's all about their little... Computers and algorithms. You know, we got to win. We, no one's allowed to back a winner. Um, they're, they're just on top of the game with their their, their, their big computers. Put it. That's what. And I mean. the other the other thing is, Duff, that every pun is profiled, so they can tell you where you win, where you lose. Hundred percent. You might win at Randwick, you, you lose at Canterbury, so you're liable yeah. to get on more at Canterbury than you are at Randwick and mm. things like that. And yeah. that's the that's that's what it comes down to. Like the 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 uh, way betting is gone has probably progressed past where it used to be and West and a lot of the punters are still sitting back in the 20th, 20th century. Mm. Uh, Gator, I'll just bring you in here, mate, just for a comment on it, what we've been talking about. Yeah, look, I think um, the facts are that it's never been um, more difficult to be a punter than it is now. Um, punters are simply losing their money faster with mm. the higher taxes, higher percentage lower benchmark racing, um, all that sort of stuff. So I think we can keep it pretty simple um, and protect, you know, protect punters as best we can by... You you can have a licence to be a bookie in this country any day of the week, but you've got to stick by these rules and you've got to let punters on to to lose X amount like it was when I first started. Um, And and if you win, you get paid... uh, we just keep it very simple because if we don't start protecting the punters, well, this show won't be around in 20, 30 years because we won't have an industry because the punters are everything to this game, yet they're treated last, <laughs> absolutely last in every facet. So, 
anyway, high horse off. In the 1970s, you could, uh, I think you, you could get on every bookie had to let you on to win 5,000 at least. Now it's 1,000. Yep. Mm. And why, um, why has that changed, though, Duff? I don't know. I, I don't know. Still, uh, Duff, it's still 5,000 5, in the ring in Sydney. So 5,000 right, so. in the rails, 1,500. So that's why you see professional parents have runners there and have a bet there because they know they will get on for 5,000, while other bigger bigger firms and the, the biggest firms aren't, aren't, aren't asked to bet any more than 2000 That's 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 clearly wrong. Yeah, that's, that's, be, that, is, that is weird. What, and, and why is that? Is like there a the, reason for that, Ruben? We've basically got corner uh, not uh, to, be, to be mean to uh, your Robbie Waterhouses, your Dave DeWise, your uh, Philippix. We've got corner shop owners who are, who are doing their best to to, to sell a bit of milk and milk milk and and the things up against Coles and Woolworths and they're paying bigger they're they're forced to forced to take bigger liabilities. Well that makes no sense. Doesn't, that doesn't honestly sense. That, that does that does not make sense that I can go to a track and put money on it's an incentive if you got if you want to have a bet to go to the track. That's what yeah. I'd be saying. I'd be going, well if you want to get money on go to the track. Take, good luck taking cash there too and well, getting away getting, yeah. you know, that's the other thing. That's, but that's, that's the, just money bizarre. flows so easily between people now. Mm. Uh we've got uh, a couple of calls. Uh the guru from Honolulu. G'day guru. G'day lads. Um regarding this, like I'm I'm pretty old school and the, I think the day that we went digital with the numbers, uh two dollars sixty, two dollars ninety Three dollars eighty instead of eleven to four, seven to four, um, six to four, uh, nine, nine to one. I think we we made a big mistake there. I think we 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 missed the mark, and we've lost a lot to the corporate bookmakers because they love the sports punters who lo- love who love the multiples, which are very hard to win on. As you know, as you take two, in a, in a in a horse horse racing. Uh, double or treble, it's very hard to get. But the, in, in, in sports, there's only nine times out of ten, there's only two competitors. Now, my I've got a fridge at home and I've got rules on my fridge. And number one A is, if it talks, don't bet on it. <laughs> and I stick to that. And I, I only bet on horses. And I just think we missed the mark uh, a long time ago. I know Britain and other countries still have the the relevant odds, and, uh, yeah, your thoughts? Oh, the fractions have become smaller. You know, we're going up in five-cent dividends now, but, you know, instead of the, you know, the four to one, nine to two, five to one, 11 to two, now the fractions are becoming minute. So, um, you know, when you're going up some of these prices they've got now, they're, they're unheard of. They're unheard of. Thank you, Guru. Yeah. Thank you. We've got Steve on the line. G'day, Steve. There you go. Good, mate. Uh, right, you there, Ron? Yes, mate. Yeah, same, Steve. There you go, mate. There you go, Steve. You got your radio well, I, on. I can't agree with any more that's uh, been said here. It's unbelievable. Us punters, including yourself, are uh, paying for everyone's wage. We always have been, but uh, it's just an exorbitant uh, amount of money that others are earning in the industry and punters are missing out on. Could you put your uh, a little bit of light on why it's permitted that some of these corporates, I won't say all, some of these corporates are 90 odd percent of the time betting in the 20 percent in the 20s, low 20s, and very often 25 to low 140s, Ron. Now, I don't know. I'm not, talk- I'm, I'm not talking three or four days before the race here. I'm talking about having a bet on a Wednesday afternoon when it's racing Saturday, scratchings, money back, blah, blah, blah. They're betting these percentages, and I think punters should learn, the ones that don't know, how to work out these percentages because they get a scratching and sometimes, sometimes some of these corporates get ideas about oh, a horse being scratched. Don't get me started about scratchings. I don't know how one joint can be 17 cents, another joint can be 28 cents. Uh, please. Uh, yeah, don't and, get me started uh, about scratchings. And some of those deductions are when early in the morning when the market's oh. 140. So it is ridiculous. In the old the, firm, the old firm of the favourite, and then the hard oh, don't, please. Yeah, so oh. that's the other, that's the next stage. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're right, Steve. And you know what? Uh, look, as I said, um, 
I think it's it's important to have these chats. I mean, as I said, this is Punters Postmortem. This show, Duff's been going on a long, long, long time. And I'd like to think that um, whilst probably some people, oh, you just you work for the tab, you're not for the punter. Well, the four of us here, which you can all hear, we love a punt and Gator hit the nail on the head. And I think it's very important that um, that these sort of things are discussed about. But if you want to obviously listen to more and get more into this topic, um, as I said, um, jump on the social media because there's a lot of information and, and chat about it. And when these things pop up, we will discuss them. And as I also said too, it's not uh, just a matter of uh, sticking the knife in here to, to corporate bookmakers. I think this is right across the board. Like, you know, it'd be like if we loved a particular um, sport or loved a particular thing, it's... it's if, right across the board here, it doesn't matter uh, the who it is. Dave, Dave, the percentages are a reflection of the taxation. That's, the percentages have gone up as the taxation's gone up. So, you know, they're paying, corporate bookmakers are now paying more in tax and turnover. So they have to pass that on uh, at, their bottom, at, at their bottom line. So that's why percentages have moved from 50, 115, 110. The old days, you, best luck in Sydney, it'd be 95%. So you know, um, but that's that's a that's a complete thing of the past because you could you'd, you'd just be handing over money if you did that these days. So um, you know, as as the taxations are point of consumption, uh, they pay GST, they pay um, race fields. That that all has to be factored into their mm. product, and that's why the percentages have got bigger. And on another matter, I've just got Mark Guest on the phone, J Mac riding at Tembla riding Ozopenko. Yep, the gong. perfect. So Ozopenko goes to the gong. There was a bit of a firm up for Ozopenko to go west um, in that all-in market, uh, but Ozopenko will be riding... Uh, well, James won't be riding James Donald. James Donald will be riding Ozopenko uh, at Kembla on the weekend there in the gong. And, of course, Tommy Berry goes west to ride routes there in the railway. Here's one more thing before we uh, take a quick break, and this is really interesting. Uh, boys... Uh, in- interesting chat you're having. Loving the chat. Great that you support the punters. One thing, I own horses and have all my life. Back when I could get money on at the track, horses weren't very much, didn't cost me very much to train. Now, uh, to, to own. Now, being an owner, costs are very, very high, yet I can't get good money on to try and cover those costs if I want to have a pump. That is a good point. That's a very good point. Um, well, just- just think if you got a, uh, you own a horse that's twenty to one, you want to have just a couple hundred on it. You can only get on to win, uh, win two thousand. You can have a hundred on, and then you've got to have another hundred on at fifteen, so that'll come in. Uh, uh, it's silly. It's 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 uh, in the old days, the bloke could get on to win five thousand at six to one, and that bookie uh, to win five thousand at six to one, and that bookie would wheel it, wheel it in. But the next twenty bookies and still have it at six to one if he wanted yeah. it again. Well, it seems like there's no opinion anymore. You, you guys obviously get paid to have an opinion on a Friday, a Saturday, a Thursday, but it seems like um, maybe there's no opinion when it comes. It's just all computer. Computer, yep. what computer says. Yep. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll take your calls too if you want to get involved. 135353 53, or the text line is 0419767272. You're listening to Sky Sports Radio and Punters Postmortem. Yeah, welcome back to the program. It's 9.53. Uh, a couple of texts on the text line here. G'day, guys. I was at the Snake Gully Cup on uh, Friday. 12 bookies in the main ring at uh, Gundagai on Friday. So that uh, that's always a strong, strong day down there. And they look like a lot of big crowd there at Gundagai on Friday and was well enjoyed. Good weather. I mean, this time last year they had that Murrumbidgee flooding down the back and they weren't going to race for a period of time. And obviously uh, Martin and the team have done a fantastic job down there and the community in that Riverina area really supports it. So, um, and obviously with the big day at uh, Newcastle. Now we've got Mark on the line as well. I think he's there. He's having a a gas bag to Nick. We'll get to him shortly. Uh, Just a a couple of texts here about some horses. Uh, Gator, the last... In Melbourne, wanting to know your thoughts on Rose Courts uh, for Michael D and Graham Big, who obviously had that big day. Yeah, look, she's a really uh, handy mare. As long as the tracks are dry, that's the key to her. And I thought um, they won the race in the first couple of hundred because they're able to lead on the leader's track. Okay, that's a good start. But they took away the best advantage she dancers have. When she controls races, she dances, she, well, she's six from seven, 1,200 metres. Um, and she ran second in a group two in her miss. So um, they took her advantage away by leading her outright and um, with a little relative weight swing was able to uh, 
to be too strong and ran useful time, you know, three and a half lengths above uh, Group 3 average doing it. Um, also, a text here just in relation to a Newcastle race um, down the bottom here. Where is it? It's just appeared off my screen. Um, oh, Tavi Time, Duff. I mean, well, that was that was a go, didn't it? Firm, didn't it crash on the totes? So it must have been off the map with the um, the big ones, the big fish. Uh, yeah, there was a late scratching there, so a man behind the money. So that would have been uh, coming a lot after that scratching, but. He's a really nice horse, mm. he, and I, he's not there yet. He's still raw and learning what it's about, and being by Tavistock, he'll get better next prep. And there might be a, just a good race in him in the autumn. Um, uh, Chris will find one, um, so we don't know where he fits, how, how far he'll go. I'd say, you know, I think he'll at least get to 2,000 metres, but just going to... Iron out a few little things with him. He got a little bit keen when one went round him. So when the race, when he gets the race smarts, he's going to be all right. That horse. I know it's, um, we're only talking, um, you know, a, a light benchmark race, a seventy-eight, but he'll go right through to open company. I'd suggest. He was very good, wasn't he? And he, um, he was with Gwenda Markle. Chris Lee's pointed that out before before he come across the Chris and was a really made horse. Was what Chris said about him. He probably gets into, there's a lot of those 2,000 metre races coming up over Christmas, you know, those staying races. He'd probably pick up a couple there and just depends how far Chris wants to go into the into the summer with him because you can't bring him back very quick, quickly whether they make him a Brisbane winter horse, but he, he looks an exciting horse. He certainly does. Mark's on the line. G'day, Mark. Hey, Dave. G'day, boys. Dave, I want to talk about a race on Saturday in New Zealand. Um, same meeting that Voz was talking to you about before the close of the show this morning. Not the same race. My issue is I've had a very sizable bet. It's just the one race all weekend that I pick horses out. Like, you know how much study I do. And it was in the last race at Taronga on Saturday. Now, the horse I backed on was coming out of a Group 2 race two weeks earlier in the Sekulavai Stakes. Run by Molly... Well, was in, Molly Bloom was in the race. And all these other horses are raced in the... 2,000 guineas on Saturday that finished first right through to fifth. It was in that race that finished seventh. So it's only having its third, fourth start. Came from a... Th- um, yeah, it come from that race into a benchmark 64. Now, my point why I'm ringing up about is on the Wednesday and the Thursday before that race meeting, there was irrigation put on the track. It's on the New Zealand website. It's not something I'm fa- you know, fabricating. A five mils, five mils. Come the Friday on the weigh-in show or the... Pro- the pro- Show on, on the TV saying there's going to be rain on the late Friday and Saturday. Remember, I put this bet on at $3.70 on the Wednesday. On Saturday morning, it was a heavy nine with 10 scratching and the price was $1.80. And all those horses that were in that race at the quarter quiet, you can go from Molly Bloom right through, the top five, finished in the 1,000 guineas. They, they were the places. So me as a putter looking at oh, irrigation, it's going to be a dry track. And then having a go around a bob, as called Mag Magpie, that horse that you talked the volume about, but a shocker, we'll say to mine. But there's nothing I could do about it. You just put the bet on, you take it on Wednesday. But for somebody to irrigate a track, come the race day meeting, and then it ends up a heavy nine with all those deductions, not very fair, mate. No. No, it's, uh, yeah, well, it's, um, it's not good enough, really, is it? It's not. No. Okay, well, thank you for your call, Mark. Yeah, no, that's... Yeah. Was, the, was the rain expected, Mark? Well, Dave, it was expected on the Friday. But why irrigate the take on the, the Wednesday yeah, and Thursday? That's, uh, that's bizarre. That is bizarre. I've had $3,000 on a day. Mm. It's not a small bet. It'll be $10,000. Right? You know I should do my study. The crochetis, everything like that. I'm not going to come on the radio here and mention something without having factual information, which you can look at yourself. Yeah, no, no, I'm not having a go. I, I'm, I'm with you. I wasn't even watching Tauranga. But, yeah, if, if that's the case, if they've irrigated during the week and then the rain was expected, why are you irrigating? And it's New Zealand as well. It's not like it's the middle of the Sahara. That is, uh, yeah, that's bizarre. So that was mentioned this morning by a lot different race. But those races at Tauranga, there was obviously a big race there in the stewards' report. What about how how you find the stewards' report in New Zealand? It's uh, It's been a bit of a journey for me this morning, but... I wonder if that's why that horse, call sign Mav, who there was the the video sent around 
by the, the trainer. Very, very confident of that horse in the Tarangana Stakes. And here we go. I'm just reading it now. Uh, Jay Riddell, when questioned regarding the performance, Ryder advised that the gelding failed to respond when placed under pressure near the 600 metres and was not preserved with over the final 200 metres when well beaten. Underwent a post-veterinary examination, which revealed nothing. Stewards will follow up the post-race condition of the gelding with the trainer, Jay Barry, in the coming days. Um, it was well backed because I think... And that's the power of social media and how this works. You know, the old text flying around these days, but it was something like 380 into 240 and, you know, some good money around for call sign Mav. And that group too was won by Gino uh, Savini at uh, $13.840 there for Chris Dell. Anyway, uh, it's been an eventful show, boys. We need to get some horses to follow to try and make a quid. I really appreciate the three of you, too, uh, talking about uh, what we spoke about this morning. As I said uh, before, and for those that maybe have just tuned in for the horses to follow, go back and have a listen to our um, chat this morning. We speak about uh, punting and punters uh, and a little. I mean, we're only scraping the surface. We've only got an hour or a little bit to talk about it. But um, I just wanted to make reference of it today because Duff, as I said before, this show's been around a hell of a long time. The 2KY days was started up for punters and I think it it should definitely remain in touch with all of that in, in regards to what's happening in our punting landscape. Oh, well, that's what we've got an open line for, Dave, to let people call in and some of them uh, get it right, some of them get it wrong. But, um, yeah, it was, you know, punters and owners, you know, they, they fund the game um, as much as anyone and um, they deserve some respect. What about your horses to follow, mate? Oh, it's all about Chris Lees for me. Uh, kind words, lovely filly, more so next year. Rustic Steel, next two runs are going to be good. Tavi Time might be more about next year for him, and you could nearly throw Zoe's promise in there as well. She's ready to go. So all about one stable's horse to follow there. All right. Uh, now, uh, your horse to follow, uh, Chris Roots. Yeah, with Duff, with Tavi Time and Rustic Steel. Made Devon T a, a force to follow out of the a highway a while ago. It just wants to lay in. I think there's a good race in it. I think it'll be a country classic horse in the coming week. So watch out for it. Ran third there on the weekend, and Dylan Gibbons never really got at it. I thought Erno's Cube was one of the better two-year-olds we've seen this year. I thought, why well, she put him away? Um, race experience. She goes to Brisbane now, and she's on a Magic Williams path. What about yourself, David Gately? Yeah, I've got a couple of run-on horses um, out of uh, Caulfield. It was a tough day to do that. Catman Envious was one. Arctic Glamour, perhaps for next prep, she's the one I'll take forward. And acquitted out of Sydney. Um, it was a lovely run, I thought. Good stuff, gentlemen. Thanks so much for being a part of the show. Thanks to all the texts on the text line and also to our callers. Um, great show, Punters Postmortem. We'll be back next Monday. See you then, gents.